the Goat of Popularity Podcast. Welcome back, coppers, to the Cult of Popularity Podcast, the only cult that Creed Bratton hasn't been a part of until now. Until now. Well, he's technically part of it. We'll discuss him at some point. I guess he's going to have a bit more fun then, isn't he? Certainly is. You have more fun as a follower, make more money as a leader. Words to live by. Uh, what have we got going on this fortnight? This fork knife, we have the 80s classic, The Goonies. Absolute classic. Pokemon video game series. So there's a lot to unpack in that. Just <laughs> indeed. And then The Office, where we will discuss both the, the British and the US versions of The Office. Indeed. But let's get things started with The Goonies. Kick it off with The Goonies. Yeah, man. Absolute banger of an 80s film. It is. It's, um, no, it is a classic, 100%. One of those films where if people, even if people haven't seen it, they know references from it. It's true. Actually, it's referenced quite a lot, even in video games and things like that. I was um just starting the timer, and the what game was it? I was playing uh, Torchlight Two, and there's this little section that you go off into, and you go down, you fight, you end up on a pirate ship, and you fight one-eyed Willy. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was a nice little nod. That is a nice little nod. Uh, it's actually a fun fact. Uh, Sean Astin, the uh, actor that played Mikey. Yep. His one-eyed Willie speech was technically, I guess you could say, improvised. He was given the like the script and what to say, but then the directors were like, say it as best you can while we've got the cameras rolling, so don't try to memorise it perfectly so it sounds more authentic. Yep, nice. Yeah. Sean Astin, uh, these days probably better known as Samwise Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, yeah. Now, you wouldn't pick him. Like, you watched Goonies and then went and watched... Lord of the Rings. I don't think you'd really pick it. Definitely, no. definitely grew into his own. He definitely looks a lot different older than he does as a child. Yeah, and I mean the film had so many sort of different, you know, actors in it, like child actors and and things like that. That actually, you know, some of them went on to do big things. Some of them didn't. Some of them have come to kind of be more popular in much more recent times as well. Remember, I only rewatched it. Uh, well, the last six months, I put it on and watched it with my son, and was surprised when I saw a young Josh Brolin in it. Who's gone on to do all sorts of stuff, from being an American gangster to Men in Black, and even one of the Men in Black films, and even obviously Thanos. Yeah, Thanos and um, and Cable as well in Deadpool series. Uh, he's actually a very good actor. He does the sort of brooding intensity very well. <laughs> he does. He does. And Jeffrey Cohen, or Jeff Cohen, as his friends, like me, call him, who played Chunk, that was his only, like, film role that he did. And then he just went and, I think he went and got to law school or somewhere like that. Yeah, which is, I actually read that as well, and I thought it was really weird, because I thought he was one of the kids in um in Stand By Me. So, I'm not sure who I got him confused with there, but I yeah. always thought that was the same same actor. Yeah, I could see that, though. But he actually, yeah, he's, he's now... Got his law degree and he's a founding partner of a entertainment law firm. So he's still in the in Hollywood Hollywood industry, just not as an actor. Vern, that was it. Who, looking at it, was played by Jerry O'Connell, and they look nothing alike. That's hilarious. The Goonies is a good. It's a good family movie. It is. I mean, technically, there's a bit of swearing and stuff in it, but really, oh, nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. I always do sort of see it 
You can just tell it's got that sort of Spielberg magic around it. Oh, it certainly does. No, it's a um, it's a great film. Like we said, you know, some actors went on and did great things, some not so much. Uh, I think Corey Feldman is one of those sort of child stars who was in a lot of stuff when he was really young and then mm. just disappeared off the face of the earth pretty much. He did for a while there. He's sort of come back, not in acting, but he's seen him about, around again in the socials and everything else like that these these days. Overall, though, the story of the film, I guess we should yeah, give it a bit of a quick breakdown. Spoilers if you haven't seen Goonies. If, if you haven't seen Goonies, take a good, long, hard look at yourself. Basically, it's you know about a group of friends known as the Goonies. Parents are all about to lose their homes because a developer's coming in to turn it into a, like a big country club, sort of expand the country club that's already there in the town, sorry. And then, so they, you know, they've got to come up with enough money to be able to save, save, you know, their houses and things like that. And so they find this treasure map in the attic and, you know, for the one-eyed Willie's treasure and they start following it and lo and behold, it's an actual treasure. It's not one of those movies where it gets to the end and it's like, and the real treasure was the friendships we made along the way. <laughs> That's really shitty. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's lame. A really shitty way to end a movie. It is. It's a bit of a cop out when you get that sort of bullshit ending. It's like, oh, this was the moral behind it the whole time. Oh, no. Yeah, that well, shit. we're all out on the fucking street. Friendship's not going to save us when we're out on the fucking street together, is it? Let's get real, people. Uh, but he's good. I think it's also important to mention there that as they start all go looking for the treasure, they end up coming across this crime family known as the Fratellis, um, who then start pursuing them to see, get the tre- treasure before them. Yeah, well, at first, I don't, think, I don't think they're actually looking for the treasure, though, are they? Potentially, but to they're get hiding, to- They're just hiding out in the place where the treasure where the treasure hunt begins. They're hiding out in that place, and they've got dead bodies and stuff stashed there. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, to get into the- cave where the treasure's hidden they have to uh they have to go through this old restaurant which the fratellis are using as a gang hideout yeah and then the tunnels are yeah you know littered with booby traps and you know pitfalls for for those who are not worthy i'll tell you what that'll be the next thing to go with political correctness can't say booby trap yeah probably can't i reckon that'll be the next thing to go just wait for it. I'm calling it 2020, year the booby trap dies. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> for all I know, I'm behind and it's already bad. It's already bad. We shouldn't be saying it. That was one of the on, the sort of running jokes as well, though, is that, you know, Mikey keeps making mistakes with the way he says things and then gets corrected and then replies, that's what I said. But then it's the the rest of the, the gang start to do it as well. Like I think Data at one point said it keeps saying booty traps. And they're like, it's booby traps. Like, that's what I said. That's true. That, that's, yeah, that's a great ongoing joke. That's what I said. And he, his little inventions are actually pretty sick. They were. They were. He was a he was a really cool character, actually. I was, I was a big fan of Data. I liked his stuff. But, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's had a widespread influence on pop culture. It's got a real massive spread. Even if you think of, you know, if you go, hey, you guys, people know what you're talking about. What are they talking about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just messing with you. Wasn't that wasn't that used in the cartoon Stickin' Round, though, as well? Do you remember Stickin' Round? I do. I don't know if that was a deliberate or not, though. I think I know what you're talking about. That, that was that really loud kid, wasn't he? Yeah. And you were just like, sh- shout it. Because, I mean, that character's yeah. whole thing was that he was just loud all the, the time. The volume but- had been turned up on his voice box and they snapped the volume off, the dial off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, I mean, I mean potentially. 
But yeah, you know, and that wouldn't surprise me because of the Goonies impact on pop culture. You know, it's it's reached far and wide past, you know, you know the mu- the references in music, in you know, T V shows, video games, other movies. It even makes references to other movies in it itself. Well, there's references to gremlins in it as well, which is, you know, a great little great little nod. Here's another Spielberg classic. Because yeah, when Chunt makes a prank call to the the sheriff to report, and, you know, he's he's been he's trapped by the Fratellis. Because I only re- recently watched Goonies again for the first time since I, since I was a kid, I reckon. So a lot of it was sort of coming back to me. But then uh, the officer then replies to him, uh, "Is this like the time you said you know they're the little creatures that multiply when you pour water on them?" And I was like, "It's a fucking Gremlins reference." <laughs> Just recall, which I ha- actually has led to speculation that they may p- potentially the universe of the Goonies and the Gremlins actually coexist. They, you know, the Gooniverse. No, we're we're not making that a thing. It'd have to be the Gooniverse though, because it sounds like universe. Mm. It's a bit hard though, because Corey Feldman does appear in both films, so. As different characters. As different characters, yes. When I when I read that, I was like, he did. Had a look into it. It was a much younger Corey Feld- Feldman that appeared in The Gremlins. And there was actually some vi- a video game made for it for the Commodore 64, Atari 8-bit, and Apple II. Apple II? Yeah. Was what was that? that was, no, that wasn't a... Was that a game like console a Mac, made by... Uh, uh, yeah, it was like a, sort of like a, an Apple computer. Yeah, right. There you go. The old... Uh, so there's like an like one... Well, the second, I guess you could say, um, like Macintosh computer then. Crazy. Yeah, exactly right. And then there was Goonie 2 was released on the Famicom, also known uh, well, known as its international counterpart, the Nintendo Entertain- Entertainment System, NES. Nice. NES sounds way better than Famicom, I'm just saying. It does. It really does. Um, and I guess a few more. Eagle-eared listeners who have seen the film may have picked up on the fact that in one scene there's mention of an octopus. I was thinking, actually thinking that last night when I was when I was watching it, I was like, "Hang on a minute, there's no fucking octopus." <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, the apparently the original cut of the movie went for uh, a lot longer. Um, and yes, apparently there was a scene where they come across. Like, I guess it must have been meant to be some like sort of Kraken reference or something like that. From no, not the rum, not the which rum. was cut from the movie in the end but however it didn't make the cut out of that scene at the end where it gets mentioned again yeah which is you know it's a bit of a problem another thing that uh you may have picked on if you are if you were very keen had a keen ear for this sort of attention to detail there's one part where so it's after chunk chunk breaks the water cooler in the basement of the abandoned restaurant sean austin or aston sorry sean aston who plays Mikey, calls Josh Brolin by his real name, not by his character's name. Which is pretty funny. I've definitely never picked up on that. See, it's funny because I picked up on the octopus thing, but I did not pick up on that. Like, it must be very slow, very quick. And there's a lot going on in that scene, so it's, mm. you know, it's easy to miss. It's pretty funny that they didn't redo it or anything like that. And I was like, ah, fuck it. No one will notice. Then, <laughs> to be fair, they really didn't. No one did. Um, box office-wise, it actually did very well, considering... Uh, the budget of nineteen million, box offices of one hundred and twenty-four. That's good. That's good. It's pretty solid. It, it is pretty solid. I think it's because the film the film caters to everyone. It's definitely a family film. It's entertaining for adults and children alike. Most of the yeah. references that you know are there for the adults go over kids' heads, which is the the key to making a good 
a good family movie is to have enough stuff in there for both. And Goonies really strikes that that balance really well done the way they do it or that the film was made. Yeah. Something that has happened even more recently, though, um, is that there was actually a reunion of the cast done only what last month. Oh, really? Yeah, so it was literally last month there was um, Josh Gad did through his YouTube channel um, a virtual cast reunion via Zoom, which um, was done as a charity fundraising effort for COVID-19, pouring the centre of disaster philanthropy. All the original cast participated in it and was dedicated to other cast members as well who have sadly since passed away since the movie has been done. And it also included producers, director and writer Richard Donner, Steven Spielberg and Chris Columbus. And Cindy Lauper also appeared. Wow. Yeah, I guess she, technically she does appear in the in the film. <laughs> indeed, indeed she does. Tell you one thing I noticed about the film when I was watching it is by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, there is no way that any of these kids are going to be okay as adults. Like, they've just been through some fucked up shit. They're going to have issues. It's, you know, technically, it was a pretty, pretty full-on experience. Yeah. yeah dead bodies... You know, Chunk was locked in the freezer with the de- the dead guy, which is probably why he quit Hollywood and went and became a lawyer. True, yeah, but like, man, he got to make friends with Sloth, and Sloth came and like, I oh, know, I assume live his family him. went well, on to adopt him or something. Well, he said at the end, you know, he said, "You come and live with me. I yeah, love you." That's it. So I can only assume that they um that they adopted him. It is nice of him because you know Sloth Sloth's a good egg, good bloke. Oh, top bloke, top notch bloke. Another thing I didn't realise is though apparently they made um I don't know if you ever saw this, you've seen like the Lego Dimensions sort of video game that they made. Yeah. So like a I know you got like little this portal thing, you put like make Lego characters. it was pretty cool. Like you can make Lego got it. James and I had it for a while. You can make um Like Skylanders, but with let with Lego. Yeah, exactly. You actually got to build like some of the things that you're using and then you put them on there and you can play them and they actually made a Goonies um, level pack for it as well which included a sloth minifigure as well as the pirate ship um, and actually unlocked a level that um, uses pl- the plot from the film as a bonus level that you could play as well. Yeah, I think I can remember reading something about that when we were doing some research. Didn't it have the skeleton organ in it as well? You know, the big organ just to play to open the door? <laughs> yes. That's sick. I guess another thing that we have been teased with constantly is a potential sequel or adaptations of the film as well. I think Corey Feldman stated in 2008 on a blog that, no, there is no Goonies 2. I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. Of course, now that I've said that, they'll do it. (laughs) Which is funny because Sean Astin in 2007 said that Goonies 2 is an absolute certainty. The writing is on the wall when... They're releasing the DVD in such numbers, talking about the DVD release of The Goonies. They're all much older now. How would that work? Um, I think I did see somewhere where there was like a possible um, plot given uh, where it would be. Um, them as adults in same town and a new bunch of kids going on another crazy adventure. Yeah, it could work. It could definitely work as long as it's not like the Ghostbusters reboot. Oh, attempted reboot. Really hope not. Really, really hope not. Though in saying that, I haven't actually seen the new Ghostbusters sequel yet, so that could be very interesting. Could be. And that is time by the sounds of it. That is indeed time. All right. Let's go full Black Alicious and get ready for the wrap-up. Just processing what you just said. 
Have you not heard the song Alphabet Aerobics by Black Elysis? I have. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> All right. In summary, again, if you haven't seen Goonies, have a good long hard look at yourself. Get out there. Give it a watch. It's on the flicks at the moment. Give it a give it a go. Overall, I reckon I would give it four truffle shuffles out of five. Nice. Nice. I think there's a few parts in the middle of it, and you've mentioned this a few times before, a few times in the middle of it where it hits a bit of a lull and you get a sort of, yeah. What's going on? Looking back, and I don't remember so much of a lull or anything going on. I'm actually going to give it four and a half. It's actually a solid film. Now, go from a film where a mother keeps her son locked up in a basement to the slavery of countless animals and different species in Pokemon. Indeed, the pocket monsters. Pocket monsters. Which really would have to be one of the biggest and maybe even enduring pop culture icons that has ever been. Yeah, definitely. Even if you don't, you know, that's one of those things. If you don't, if you've never played Pokemon or seen Pokemon on TV or anything like that, you still know what it is when someone says Pokemon. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's just one of those things that unless you're living under a rock, you you know what Pokemon is. Yeah, 100%. And it, it stayed, like, relevant for so long. I mean, I'm what, I'm 31 now, and it was just really taking off in Australia when I was in, I want to say, like, grade four, five, or six, something like that, like late primary school. Yeah, yeah definitely. I remember um, late in my primary school years. Uh, definitely, like, it became that they created a Pokemon club. It was the latest craze, cards were getting banned, you, were, you know, you could only pull them out whilst this special Pokemon club was going on and everything else. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I, mean, I didn't really get into it as a kid. It wasn't really my bag with the cards and stuff like that. I sort of got into it a little bit more more so when I, when I met my wife, actually, because she was right into it. So I watched some of the show with her and played some of the videos. I mean, I already played some of the games. Like I'd played uh, Pokemon snap and pokemon stadium on the n64 yeah which are both actually really good games even snap like i thought it was gonna be really boring but it's actually kind of fun having to try and get photos at the right time and do different things to distract them while you take a photo and stuff like mm-hmm. that i think that's a good point as well that it started off as just this one sort of or really game with an, an rpg really and that it has made it's managed to create different game types for itself like the fighting games and in Pokemon Stadium and everything else. Yeah, even you know Pokemon Go, which was a worldwide phenomenon when it first came out. Like, I remember um, Rachel and I were getting ready to go on, on a holiday that was leaving out of Brisbane. We were spending a few days there, and you went to this park, and there were just people everywhere staring at their phones, walking around trying to catch Pokemon. Like it was crazy to see. Well, that's it. Yeah, and like I've even seen people that probably never have actually played any of the other Pokemon games or anything else like that using it and playing it, that totally surprised me. Yeah. I'll even see if I can find a photo of it because on that trip to capitalise on the popularity of Pokemon Go, one of the local donut shops in Brisbane were making Pokemon designed donuts. So it was like a Nutella donut, but it had like the top of it looked like a Pokeball. Yeah, wow. Well. If I can find the photo, Jeez, I will... capitalise on it. Why not? Why not? Exactly. If I can find the photo, I'll post it on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. That's it. And I think another thing as well, I was saying, like, it's easily recognisable, like, the, 
the catchphrase from Pokemon as well. Got to catch them all. It's true. Everyone knows that. Oh, 100%. Um, but I was just looking through some things here. And I mean, I mean, when you look at the figures and the revenue that this game makes or franchise, I guess would be a better word. It's it's oh, it's absolutely mental. So originally released in 1996 um, on on the Game Boy handheld system as well, mind you. These these weren't even games that have been available on a real console until recently, with the release of the most recent iteration of it, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah, um, wow. Pokemon has become the highest grossing media franchise of all time with 90 billion. That was with a B in total but, franchise revenue. Was that a but for bacon and eggies? It's, it certainly was a B for bacon and eggies. The original video game series is the second best video game franchise of all time behind only Nintendo's main franchise of Mario selling more than 346 million copies worldwide and over 1 billion mobile downloads. It has the anime television series that is the most successful video game adaptation. And get this, it has over 20 seasons and over 1,000 episodes distributed in 169 different countries. Fucking hell. On top of that, the Pokemon franchise includes the world's top-selling toy brand and top-selling trading card game. Yeah, suck it, Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> it's mental. There's been Apparently, there are over 28.8 billion cards sold. Wow. Top of that, it has an anime film series. It has a live action film now as well. It's got books. It's got manga, comic, music, merchandise, its own theme park. And that and the fact that it's also represented in other video games, um, much prominently Super Smash Bros. as well. Yeah, it's definitely you know one of the biggest cultural impacts. I'd, I'd say probably oh, definitely one of the biggest ones of our generation. Definitely. like So even like outside, even older and younger, they've all been exposed to it. There's like no way to get away from it. And the, I think the craziest thing yet is it shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. No, not at all. I think because it's, it's, very, it's very accessible as a franchise. So whether you're into card collecting, if you're not into the card collecting, you'll, you can enjoy the TV series. If you don't like the TV series, you can enjoy the video games. If you don't like one type of the video games, <laughs> there are other types of the video games. There's <laughs> everything for you. So anyone can get in on it and, you know, they're colorful. it's colourful, it's cartoony, kids love that sort of stuff. You get hooked when you're a kid, it'll be something that's, you know, a big thing for you for the rest of your life and then you pass it on to your children as you have kids. Like it's... That's how I'm guessing that and that's how it's staying alive, but also the fact that they always find a way to keep it fresh so it's not not repeating its own things over and over again or same things over and over again. Each game's different. Yes, it has similar elements, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not the same game over and over again, basically. Exactly. Yeah, they do something to stop it from going stale. And there's even things like if you have these, you know, see, for example, I know it's on one of the other ones as well, but Pokemon and Pokemon X and Pokemon Y are the most recent examples, I think, of it where if you have, you can only unlock certain Pokemon in each game, but then there's a way to access the other ones by like doing a cross, m- merging with your friends or hooking up with your friends or something like that. And, and that encourages, you know, you know sharing and, and, <laughs> Not only that, other it encourages shit. you to buy two copies of what is almost an identical game. 
that too. So it's business smarts as well. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure when that started. It may have been X and Y, but it's definitely something they've, cre- they've kept on in the next generations of each game afterwards where, you know, there's – because, I mean, what's the thing, isn't it? Whenever a game's released, there's always two of them. Yeah, exactly right. So they they always come out at the same time. It's always something slightly different in regards to them. They'll be, I think there's always at least one – like main big Pokemon that you only get access to through one of them and you can only get the other one by either owning the other one or trading with other players and things like that. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, our most recent game I played was helping my wife play through Let's Go Pikachu on the Switch. You get Pikachu pretty well straight up and he's like your main companion and you just run around and build him and up. He's had like a direct tie with the um the, the phone app as well, Pokemon Go. Which I really didn't like that one. Um, it was boring. I mean, it was literally just you just fucking throw a Pokeball. It's a fucking Pokemon. You don't do any battling. You don't have to beat the shit out of them. Pokemon Go is you talking about? Yeah. Slavery is not fun if you can't beat them first. <laughs> Whoa. I think there's an interesting point that I want to put in there. Like sometimes, like you're playing the games and you'll go around and you'll just fight fucking heaps of Pokemon to try and. Capture, capture them or get like a certain one or certain points and stuff. Imagine seeing that in real life. Like when you really think about it, it's pretty fucked up. You don't kill them. You never kill them. But like if you're in real life, you're just like, there's just this fucking sea of knocked out creatures all around you that you've just been fighting. It's a pretty funny way to look at it actually. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty crazy. Yeah, or just imagine just walking along. Sometimes you walk along and then like, you would just run into a Pokemon and it's just like, all right, let's fight, bitch. It's like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> that's that's it. So that was one good thing. I just got Pokemon Sword. James got it for Christmas. Yeah. Um, that was a, a good thing. So I usually walk through like the high grass and you just, you just potentially you may just run into a Pokemon. They're actually there. You can actually kind of see them. So you can actually walk around and actually avoid them. Uh, Let's Go Pikachu was like that as well. You could avoid a lot of the Pokemon. You could see them where they were and just be like, yeah, nah, I'm done with you. I've already got one of you or you're a pain in the ass. I don't want to have to deal with you. (laughs) Which is what life's all about, avoiding your problems. Definitely, definitely. When looking through it as well, found out that, of course, someone has to take offense to Uh, it. So, yeah. Oh, no. Exactly. So it's been criticised by some fundamentalist Christians. It's like, of course, cool. it doesn't take much to offend them over perceived occult and violent themes and the concept. And this is just really this should have been obvious of Pokemon evolution. That's pretty funny because it goes against the biblical creation account in Genesis. That's funny. It is. I'm surprised it is. Nintendo um, haven't released Pokemon Genesis just to really like. Pits all over the cornflakes. However, apparently, um, a satellite television station that's based in Vatican City has countered that, though, saying that the Pokemon trading card game and video games are full of inventive imagination and have no harmful moral side effects, which I couldn't fucking agree more. Yeah. Apart from maybe beating animals. Apart from beating animals, yeah. Which I will get onto. I will get onto that. I'm sure you can already figure out where that's going to go. Uh, but I wanted to touch on this because in the United Kingdom, <laughs> some bloke in 1999 made <laughs> made the Christian power cards. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. 
as like a counter to them for people having their Christian sensibilities offended. And so some people aren't happy with Pokemon and want an alternative. Others just want Christian games. Um, And so it's basically trading card games similar to Pokemon but used biblical figures. That's fucking hilarious. (laughs) What are you going to do? Like, here we go. I'm going to fight my Moses against your Noah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, I can see what he was trying to do, but it's ridiculous. Mm. More offensive things that's done is at some point on one of the cards, they decided to put a symbol, the Buddhist uh, Munji symbol, which is a symbol that they use with no negative connotations on some of the cards. If you're not familiar with your symbols, the manji is same pattern as a swastika, but it's in reverse, so it doesn't go the same way. Right. I can see this is already it's, really problematic. It is. Like, it predates the swastika by like fucking centuries, if not millennia. Like It's been around for much, much longer, but obviously due to the bad connotation of the swastika, and really I couldn't tell you the correct way that a swastika should go. At first sight, you're, gonna, you're just going to say a swastika. Yeah. No, that's um, yeah, that's that's an issue. It is so. Um, they accepted that. They apologised. They removed it, and the Anti Defamation League, um, which is the Jewish Civil Rights Group, um, accepted that. Said they knew it wasn't intended to offend anyone, and thanked them for removing it. So, all good. They handled it. Handled it well. Nice, nice, nice and peaceful. But yes, that's of course. Anyway, I did say I'll get to the animal cruelty, and if you hadn't already guessed. Peter just had to bloody complain about it, didn't they? Because, of course, it's capturing animals and forcing them to fight. Fucking Peter. <laughs> Japan when Pokemon Go was released, they actually put, put, like, things out and put a hashtag up with gotta free them all. So. <sighs> Why can't people just let people have nice things? Because they just can't. Because people are fucking jerks, especially Peter. Fuck Peter. Yeah, look, I'm all for the humane treatment of animals, but they do some stupid shit to try and get their points across. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm all about, you know, treating animals with respect and everything like that. But there's going too far. And they, to quote the late, great Charlie Murphy, habitual line steppers. True. Did you ever hear about the uh, infamous episode of the anime series? No. I thought you were setting me up for a joke then. Did you ever hear the one about the... <laughs> no, so there was an episode that was released in Japan and has since been pulled. Um, I think I'm pretty sure you can find it if you go on YouTube. However, I very much warn you against doing so it. So many people are going to do that now. And look, if you're epileptic, definitely don't do it because when this episode aired, it actually put 635 kids into hospital from epileptic seizures. Holy fuck. Uh, yeah. Um, it was called... Uh, or. Translating to English, it right, translates off to Electric Soldier Porygon. And yet, since then, the episode has not been aired since. Uh, so, there were bright explosions in it with rapidly alternating blue and red color patterns. And uh, there was actually, uh, through research, that it actually, the strobe light actually caused some individuals to have epileptic seizures, even if they had had no previous history of epilepsy. Fucking hell. That's intense. It is. Has been uh, parodied in things such as The Simpsons yeah, and the episode that. Thirty Minutes Over Tokyo, um, and, and of course, the only people that you would really expect to parody something like that are South Park. Yeah. But yeah, 
pretty pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, that's full on, man. Like, there's a lot of people to go to a hospital after watching a cartoon. A lot of kids to go to the hospital is worse. Sure is. That is fucked up. I kind of want to watch it now and see if it gives me epilepsy. Yeah, I mean, do you really want to, though? Do you really, no, really no, want to I do really that to yourself? I really don't. What if I watch it behind, like, a welder's mask? Like, you know, that help? <laughs> Look, I honestly have no idea. I remember my dad doing some welding when I was a kid. And that was there, and we were... But it's hard to turn it back and not to look at it because it can make you blind. And me being a kid, I'm like, bullshit, it can't make me blind. So I turned around and I looked at it. Did you get welders flash? Uh, no, I didn't. And I was like, you fucking lying asshole, it's not going to make me blind. Because the way they explained it to me, they said, oh, because the trauma is like, oh, it might not make you blind straight away, but one day you'll just wake up and be like, someone threw a handful of sand in your eyes and you'll never be able to see again. I was like, bullshit. And apparently that was a, a risk that a young me was willing to take because <laughs> I turned around and looked at it. Uh, like you may wake up one day and be completely blind and you'd be like, I like those odds. Interestingly enough, Pokemon Red and Blue is the highest selling of all time. They're the original yeah. ones, aren't they? 1996, 31.37 million copies. As of, as of March 31, yeah, right. 2020. Yeah, wow. I mean, is that, that's interesting. Is that one of those people buying them through? So, I mean, that shit wasn't even in colour. No, it wasn't. And lowest selling is Pokemon Emerald, 6.32 million units sold, which is still a decent amount. Still impressive, yeah, still impressive within its. Whether it's a direct correlation <laughs> or not, Pokemon Emerald also has the hot, the lowest game ranking out of all of the games as well, though, at 77%. Highest yeah. rated is Pokemon Gold and Silver, 90%. Positive rating. Red and Blues are 88%. Just FYI. Probably because I reckon they were in yeah. colour. People are like, fuck this black and white shit. Well, it's not really black and white, but fuck this green and grey shit. Mm-hmm. But you were going to say, funnily enough, because you got 20 no, that, seconds. that's pretty much what I was, I was going with. Oh, that was yeah. it. Okay, cool, 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 bangs. cool. We're just calling it now. Well, there's the timer. We sure are. I like that you chose a pretty upbeat, positive timer. Yeah, I definitely chose that. That wasn't the default one that was already there. Well, it's not like, um, eh, 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 or something. <laughs> Look, overall, Pokemon is definitely, I'm trying to think, like, I'm just going to rate it on, I mean, yes, we're doing the game series, this, this is the game segment of of the episode, but in regards to its overall overall influence in pop culture and everything else, and we think about it, there's, there's meant to be like this underlying good sort of moral things that are expressed within the anime series, which is good for kids. Kids love it. They love watching Weird, fucked up looking creatures fucking battle the shit out of each other and making them fight each other. It's you know, it's good, good, harmless mm-hmm. digital fun. I reckon. I mean, it's not perfect, but I'm like, it's just just below. Like, it's a four point nine for me. I choose use out of five. Four point nine. I choose use. Um, I yeah. would give it again based purely on its cultural impact. Like I said, I wasn't a huge fan at the start, so I didn't really have that childhood link to it. I'd give it four point seven five. Nice. Yes. All nice. right. Do you have something? Ooh, I think I do. Going from a game that gets released in two versions every time to a show that is also in two versions, The Office. Love it. 
That is gold, mate. Good work. Look, mate, I'm off to uh, I'll put you into retirement after that one. Uh, segways may become mate, a new you thing. You have one good segue. <laughs> you true. You're right. Good point. I'll retire myself whilst I'm quit while you're ahead. Quit undefeated. That's the way to go out. <laughs> Tell you go out like a champ, <laughs> literally. Before we do start this next segment, that actually reminds me of a story of my mate who oh, what was he playing? Played like a game of oh, I really wish I could remember the game. It was like a ball game or a car game or something like that. Anyway, his brother wanted him to play it, so he buddy played it with him, beat him, and then refuses to play him again so he can say that he's never his brother's never beat him at yeah, that game. I wish I'd have held firm with my conviction on that when we when everyone was playing Connect Four at our work. I, I beat the the guy that was bragging most about being able to beat everyone and I beat him I beat him two I think I beat him two nil and then I left it. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm like, fine, I'll play because my ego got the better of me. And I thought, you know what? If I could push him to 3 nil, I'd be happy. And then he came back and beat me like two or three times. So stick to your guns when you're in, when you're in front. When you're in front, quit while you're ahead. But yes, moving right along to The Office, which uh, comes in the original packaged British version and the repackaged American version. I get it, packaged because they, they sell paper. I like it. Not what I was going for. I fucking hate puns and you know it. <laughs> That's why I love trapping you in accidental puns. Although there you technically trap yourself. But anyway. So obviously two versions. We have a disagreement on which is better. Uh, I do believe the British version is better. That's your right to believe that because the far superior American version, which I don't say lightly because every other thing that exists on this planet so far that I've seen that has a British and American version, I prefer the British version, except for The Office. Interesting. I must say, I did take a lot of my uh, dislike, I guess you could say, originally for the American version off the fact that I'd watched most of the first season and got through and I was just like, look, this is just, this, this literally is just repackaged British the office. I think it was you that said to me, like, nah, man, you, you got to, he's got to start watching the second season, which I'm glad you did say because it does get better. Still not as good as the British version, but it was definitely much better because I found it took its own direction. And even though, yes, it was the, was the office, it definitely became its own beast, if you will, found its own right. Yeah. It's like we mentioned when we did the uh, Parks and Rec episode. Sometimes it's best to start from season two. That's true. Funnily enough, you should say that because the, the showrunners for the American version of The Office actually ended up going on to make Parks and Rec. And there's a lot of similarities between the two. I think we may have even discussed that when we were doing Parks and Rec. Having watched both series, though, I definitely prefer the American version only because I prefer uh, – there's a couple. There's a few different things I really prefer. The main thing is I prefer Steve Carell's Michael Scott over uh, Ricky Gervais's David Brent. I just think Michael Scott's way more hilarious character. But then you've even got... You know, sorry, you go. I noticed with Michael Scott, though, in the first season again, and this is like he is just trying to be... Like, you can tell it's just meant to be an American version of David Brent. Going into the second series, they actually changed his character in a way for, for, the, for the better. And he wasn't just him trying to... Or trying to be another David Brent anymore. And I must, yeah. and I did much prefer um, that Michael Scott when they took it, moved him away from just trying to imitate David Brent. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think you can't talk about the the US version without discussing the 
you know, the rivalry between Jim and Dwight, which is actually mm, it's classic. It gets pretty hilarious at times. Like some of the stuff that Jim does to Dwight is fucking cruel, but also hilarious at the same time. Like when he uh, takes all of his stuff and puts it all in the vending machine. So and then gives Dwight like this massive bag of coins and tells him he has to buy all of his stuff back. I think the one that most people would remember though is when he comes into the office dressed exactly like Dwight, which spawns the uh, <laughs> classic phrase, identity theft is not a joke, Jim. <laughs> it is good. I mean, did you, have you watched all the British office as well, though? I've I watched have. all the American office. Watched all the British office and the Christmas special as well. No, oh, look out. There we go. Yeah. Because obviously, I mean, that whole rivalry is taken from the rivalry between Tim and, and Gareth. But I think, I think the way it's done with Jim and Dwight is a lot better. I think partly due to the the actors themselves, they're like Rain Wilson as Dwight is so hilarious because he's just so deadpan and serious. And then when he tries to be funny, everyone is like, they either laugh in like a cringy sort of laugh or they're like, no, that's not <laughs> funny at all. You're fucked up. <laughs> like when he cuts the face off the fucking CPR mannequin and puts it on his own face. Yeah, that was some weird shit. That was he's definitely a very disturbed man, Dwight. Oh, he's got issues. He's got a lot of issues. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of issues. Fun fact about the CPR episode, actually, was that that episode actually saved a life. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So someone had watched that. I'm just trying to find my notes on it. Yeah, so the chest compressions should be done to, done to the beat of the popular BG song, Staying Alive. And that helped a fan of the office perform successful CPR on a woman he found slumped over in the seat of her car. She regained consciousness after about a minute of CPR and was brought to the hospital where she was later discharged. That's amazing. It's actually pretty cool. And people say TV rots your brain. It's also funny because, you know, it's the song Staying Alive. That is that is very funny as well. With the US office, it made a lot of tweaks to characters that were really, like, really well really well executed. Um, as we've already mentioned, you know, the, the change between the original Michael Scott band, you know, a uh, carbon copy of David Brent to being, you know, his own person and being sort of bumbling idiot, but he's also sort of stumbles into the great situations like and, and into fortune sometimes as well. To Ed Helms' character as well, Andy Bernard, who at first was received really poorly and then they had him have a mental breakdown and, like, leave for a few episodes and then came back and changed his personality and his, and his traits a little bit more and became a smash hit and everyone actually really liked him and they were actually sort of happy when he... They were okay with it when he replaced Steve Carell when Steve Carell left the show when as the manager hmm. of The Office. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert if you haven't already watched. <laughs> we're getting really bad. Some of us are bad with these spoiler alerts. It's a retroactive spoiler alert. But if you press rewind, you'll miss that bit. Doesn't quite work like that. Um, but I was looking at it as well that in the end, they ended up going for like a, a main theme, which was similar but different to the one that was used in the British series. And um, what they did do is they actually looked at putting, rather than just like these little musical pieces in, a few real songs uh, for the opening theme on the American version. They were going to pop uh, all they considered. Uh, Better Things by the Kinks, Float On by Modest Mouse, which is a good song. Good song. I don't mind that one. The one that they really wanted to put on there was Mr. Mr. Blue Sky by yep. the Electric Light Orchestra, which I reckon would have been 
probably would have actually fitted. Um, however, ended up getting stolen by the comedy Lax, which was very fucking short-lived and apparently pissed him off a lot, I would imagine. Well, it's a waste of a good song, isn't it? It, it actually is. It, it re- really is. It's, um, yeah, it's crazy to think that that's, you know, it could have had a completely different intro, but I like the intro. The intro is really, really catchy. Um, no, it's good. And I like it because it still keeps, like, the nod there to the British version, which is good because in the end, I mean, I'm not denying it, became its own own show in the end. It completely separated itself and was, apart from having, like, the setting, I guess, and the sort of characters with similar traits. Mm. I think that's about where the similarities in the end began and ended, which was good. Yeah, yeah. It's just something about it, like, and I like the fact there's a lot of realism that they put in it as well. Like, all of the computers in the office actually work and were connected to the internet, so that, you know, cast members that weren't in a particular scene but were in the background could be on their computer, you know, surfing the net or playing games or something like that because that's what people in offices do. Made it made it feel more realistic. And I like the fact that it's, you know, it's got a it's, there's no laugh track to the show. So that really helps sell True. the True. I don't even really notice that. Yeah. side of the the whole documentary mockumentary side of the the show that it's, you know, it's a, it makes it, gives it another sense of realism basically. Does the mockumentary style to it, it does work well. Oh yeah, 100%. Um it's just it's just madness some of the stuff that happens in it though like it it just boggles the mind. So another thing they actually changed in the second season was they brightened up the uh the show made the show a bit brighter for in the US version obviously in the second season. You know, brighter lights, things like that, to make it look more appealing, to sort of try and help boost ratings, and it worked. Uh, yep. And did you know you can actually buy Dunder Mifflin paper at one point? Really? Yeah. At one point, so you couldn't still buy it today. You probably could, but not from the direct source where it was originally released. Like you'd probably buy it through eBay or somewhere if someone's got some and they're selling it. They haven't made it like illegal to buy now. Each sheet of paper contains so much lead that it would just kill you on contact. <laughs> I liked it actually when, in the US series, when James Spader came in for a small stint. Again, spoilers. I'm really bad at that. Mm. Um, yeah, he actually comes in and he sort of runs the office for a little bit as Robert California. And, what a which, name. Which is a hilarious name. Throwback to our last episode. That is like, that sounds like it's come right out of the room as a name for a character. But it's, yeah, yeah, he's. And he plays this character and they get him into the office at one point and they're getting ready to fire him. And he's like, just goes off on this massive rant about uh, all this stuff. And he's like, you don't even know my real name, do you? And they're like, what? And he's like, I'm the fucking Lizard King. But they bleep out the fucking obviously. But yeah, <laughs> it's just so weird and great. And that pretty much sums up James Spader. He's weird and great and I love it. I'll give you a second throwback to last episode. Whoa. Bob Odenkirk was also interested in the part of Michael Scott. Wow. And actually lost out on it. He was the front runner for it. Um, but Steve Carell's other show wrapped up or cancelled whatever, and he took, ended up taking the role. There you go. How interesting is that? Because I know they, they brought a lot of people in in the last, in one of the last seasons. They brought a lot of people in. Spoilers. I'll be, I'll preempt it this time. They brought a lot of actors in, like um, 
there was Jim Carrey, James Spader, Will Ferrell, all sort of had like little cameos or interviews and things like that for for to be the, like to become the new manager. Wait, what? Yeah, they had like a heap of like a revolving door of people coming through. Like Will Ferrell was actually in it for a couple of episodes, and he took over as manager for a little. He was meant to take over as manager, and then he was completely lost his shit and left. And then they started interviewing. Mm-hmm. And they had like Jim Carrey came in, not as Jim Carrey, obviously, but as a character. Uh, you had, you know, um, James Spader, that Catherine Tate, that's her name. I was going to say that uh, Pommy Sheila, but Catherine Tate is her real name. Uh, <laughs> she, was, she was in it. as She actually comes on as a uh, special projects manager in the eighth season. Yeah, there's some little nuggets of information for you. Something else that I noticed as well, other than being the the first person cast for the show, BJ Novak, who plays the originally the temp, uh, Ryan, he actually noticed that his name popped up a couple of times for not only just writing but also directing credits as well. Yeah, he, he actually did, did some directing work and writing for the show as well. I haven't seen him in a lot of other stuff. I did notice that when I was watching The Founder that he's in that, but I haven't seen yeah, okay. him. In a lot of other stuff, really. Someone who I did see like who they were considering as well for uh, Michael Scott, which could have been interesting, was Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Now, Alan Tudyk is is a great actor. Some of you may recognise him as Wash from Firefly. Uh, uh, we come to the centre of the shrubbery maze. <laughs> No, but no, seriously, I, I don't think Alan Tudyk's great and I don't think we see him in enough things. Fair enough. That would have been another interesting uh, casting, I reckon. It would have been. I don't think he could have quite pulled off Michael Scott. I don't know. Would it, would, we'll just see how it would have panned out, but no, I don't think he could have done a Michael Scott. I do bust out the odd Michael Scott uh, quote around the office at work as well every now and again. The old, it's 40 Is that a terrible pun? No, I think it's for the 40-point plan, 30-point uh, plan or something like that. When the, when the company's going belly up and all the shareholders are questioning them and you know, vying for blood, basically, all the, like the, the CEOs, everyone like that, they have nothing to say. And Michael just grabs the microphone and he's like, we're going outside, we're going to make a plan. It's going to be 30-point plan, 30 days. You're one point per day. End of the 30 days, you're 30 points. We're back on track. It's just gibberish. Like, it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> but it's gold. Like, it sounds professional. It sounds like, yeah, that make, yeah that, that's good. Like, I could deal with that. Did you know that every episode could have been an hour long with the amount of footage they had for it? An hour long? Yeah. But then they thought making them shorter would be, you know, easy for people to watch and things like that, which makes sense. I can sit down and, you know, gorge like a heap of like, you know, little 30, 20-minute episodes of a TV show. If an episode goes for, you know, an hour or so, it's sort of like you, you'll get through it, but then you're like, you get about halfway through, like after two or three episodes, and you're like, what episode am I up to? Like, it's a lot to take in. That's what she said. I don't mind what is sitting in and watching like a few popcorn-style episodes of – TV shows where you can smash like you know 20 30 minutes and it's easy but if you go into like an hour an hour and a half whatever and then there's not a lot happening it becomes a real drag so a lot of it end up in DVD extras but 
each episode could have been much longer. They said with even uh, awkward scenes where nothing is happening, everyone is just uncomfortable, could go in and make it longer and longer. That would have been a nightmare. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking with that. I definitely agree there. Where it's like, yeah, the awkward scenes and things were funny, but I don't know if they could have gone on or extended those scenes and made it that made it funnier. I mean, yeah. we'll never know. But uh, I, yeah, no, I don't think I don't. I don't think that would have worked. I think they made the right choice. No, they definitely did because it's um, yeah. It's good. Shows like that especially, like, I know this isn't really a sitcom, but sitcom-y, mockumentary sort of shows, comedy sort of shows, are better in shorter bursts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not it's not a story-laden heavy sort of series. You have, like, um, those, I don't know, almost bite-sized little stories in each episode. It's not like, you know, I mean, it's usually some sort of, overarching story which they do you know spread out over a series and stuff which is done well but it's not something that needs to be like a serial where it's just every single episode is continuing the story from the last yeah i think that sort of style is definitely better suited to you know sort of drama tv mm. shows um, definitely because you got more time to develop the story and you knit the story needs more development in comedy shows you don't really need that development as much you've got the jokes to help prop up the the weaker points in the story. That's it. Like, good comics, they've got this good character development, but yeah, story overall, no. Episodic no. is better. Yeah, 100%. Interesting, oh, quickly. Interesting fact about the UK version of The Office. And that's time. I'll finish this fact off and then we'll wrap it up. The UK version of The Office won the Golden Globe Award for Best Television Series, Musical or Comedy. Uh, it was the first British comedy in 25 years to be nominated for the for a Golden Globe and the first ever to win one. Gervais also... Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It is. He also, Gervais also won one for Best Actor in a Television Series, Comedy or Musical, same year. Yeah, so wow. Nice. I mean, just a couple more notes there quickly. I don't think we... Did, probably didn't focus that much on the British one, but the British si- series um, has f- fantastic ratings. Series one actually holds a Metacritic score of 98 out of 100. Impressive. Um, two having a 93. And the the off- the Christmas specials um, also have a rating of 98 out of 100 and has been named one of the best sitcoms of all time. Yeah. And I also just want to mention, just, we did mention the theme song for the American one. I promise, I'll, I promise I'll, I'll stop. But just interesting because I am a big fan of Cat Stevens. And the Ricky Gervais actually, um, and Merchant, the other show creator, actually considered the song Sitting by Cat Stevens uh, for the theme song for the show, which would have been interesting. I know most people are probably thinking, what the fuck is that? It's it's a good song. There you go. And actually would have fitted it quite well, I reckon. Would have made it, yeah. Would have made a good uh, a good choice for that, for the, for the office, definitely. Uh, would have... Would have fit that intro beautifully, actually. But yeah, I guess we've be best do our wrap up. Yes, definitely we should. So, giving it a rating. What are we going to? We're going to do each series separately, or just do the overall concept of the office. Oh, it's a hard one. Uh, what do you reckon? I just do them both separately. Separately. All right. I'm using the same metric of measurement for both, though. I'm not coming up with two different metrics. Fuck that. No, that would be that's crazy. That's just crazy. Also, just mention briefly that uh. There was actually a movie made from the British TV series as well. Oh, really? 
Yeah, David Brent, Life on the Road. There you go. Did not know that. All right. British TV series. I'd give three Dundies out of five. Three? Three Dundies nah. out of five. Nah, man. That, that deserves a solid four. No, nah, it's a three from me. It's a four from me. And then the US version, I'd give I'd give the US version a four. There are, give, there are weak points in it. I'll give I'll give the US three and a half. It, it, once it comes into its own, definitely gets a lot better. I'll give it three and a half. There you go. You heard it here first, guys. Have you got the hats ready? Uh, of course I do. He says very far away from the microphone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got the hats. What are we going with? You're going to make me guess again, aren't you? Mate, you keep pulling that on yourself. I've got to stop. What have I got here? Oh, okay. We've got a movie. Film, if you will. It's, if, if you will. Uh, it's a classic comedy mm-hmm. um, starring or a character presenting radio during war times. Oh, good morning, Vietnam. It is good morning, Vietnam. Bit of a Robin Williams classic there. I can wear my good morning, Vietnam t-shirt when we record that. That'll be sick. <laughs> Uh, what, what video I was in Vietnam, game. Ironically enough, um, video game here. Controversial character in some ways has classic slogan of. Oh, can I guess? Try to guess before you say the slogan. Yes. Is it Duke Nukem? It actually fucking is Duke Nukem. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> when you said controversial character with classic slogan, I was like, it has to be Duke. Very good. That was that was amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Good. All right, here we go. Down to the TV. What have we got? Okay, that is actually just one piece of paper. I thought I had two. Ooh. Well, this is uh, it's actually one TV show that I am a big fan of. I definitely put that in there. Stars uh, concept around the devil on earth. Is it Lucifer? It is Lucifer. Nice. Haven't watched any of that, so I'll have to give that a bit of a check out. Mate, do yourself a favor. All right, Molly. That's not a selection right there. It's, it's a good selection, actually. Something uh, new for you. Will be. A uh, bit of nostalgia. Well, two bits of nostalgia, really. Duke Nukem and Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, solid mix. Uh, but that would be it again for another fortnight from us here at COP. If you haven't done so already, get on the socials, give us a like, give us a follow. Also, check out as well. We are asking for suggestions for what would be quickly not acclaimed, either TV shows, movies, video games, books, anything. That is just Album. universally. Yes, music, yes. That would be fantastic. Anything that just the general consensus on it is, it's crap. Please send us your suggestions. We will try and find at least a redeeming quality, if there is one at all, on it. But as always, you've been listening to the Cult of Popularity podcast. Cop that.